This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, nuclear tensions, family assassinations, and the heiress to the throne in North Korea. Kim Jong-un, the secretive leader of North Korea, has recently unveiled his daughter to the world, sparking speculation that she could become the next dictator of the hermit state. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is again sharing the spotlight with his young daughter. North Korean state media reported the two attended a soccer match. But what does the rise of the 10-year-old daughter mean for Kim's once powerful sister? Others even suggest that this is a warning to his sister, Kim Yo-jong, to not get any ideas, to know their place and understand who's in charge and who's going to be making the decisions about who's going to be next in line. And what does it mean for tense relations with the West? Kim Jong-un, dictator and family man, brought his daughter and wife to the military parade, which featured more intercontinental ballistic missiles than ever before designed to reach U.S. targets. I'm Fiannon Sheen, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm talking to Professor Peter Kabashnik from the City University of New York, who is writing a book examining everyday life and the cult of personality in North Korea. Peter, how significant is it that we are suddenly seeing Kim Jong-un appear with his daughter? Um... There's definitely um, significance to this, but what the significance is, is still a little unclear. So in November, uh, last November 2022, uh, Kim Ju-ae, Kim Jong-un's daughter, uh, had her first public appearance. So it was at an ICBM test and she appeared next to her father. The unexpected appearance of Kim Jong-un's daughter at a recent missile test has raised speculation that she could be a successor in making. If true, analysts say it would be an unprecedented uphill struggle in the male-dominated dynasty. She was referred to as his quote-unquote beloved daughter and quote-unquote respected daughter. Uh, She has had at least uh, four more appearances since that first one, including at a lavish army banquet, a football match, a military parade in Pyongyang. In terms of being incorporated into the personality cult, which is an important like symbolic signal, uh, she will be on recently issued stamps to commemorate the missile tests that she had just attended. Also quite curious is her age nor her name have been identified in the North Korean state media. 
It actually took uh, basketball diplomacy with Dennis Rodman's or infamous uh, 2013 trip, uh, depending on your point of view, uh, where he recounted holding Kim Jong-un's child. Uh, that's when the world actually first learned not only her name, but the fact that she even existed. Her age is unknown, with some speculating she's 9 or 10, others saying she's 11 or 12, but probably uh, no older than 13. Kim Jong-un is also thought to have two other children, an older boy and an unknown younger child. And of course, why she, she is being brought into the spotlight and not the elder boy it also has people uh, scratching their heads. However, we need to be very cautious amid all this speculation. Uh, there are many more questions uh, right now than answers. So normally, you know, a parent would bring a child to a, a football match to show them to the world. In, in this case, she's brought to it an intercontinental ballistic missile test. And that's her, her introduction uh, to the world. So that's that's the curious world of, of North Korea, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like you go to uh, have some have some cake and cupcakes at a birthday party. No, you you, you take her to an ICBM test. Uh, so, yeah, North Korea is uh, is definitely a special case uh, when we're, we're considering these types of things. Um, I guess the question is why. Right. Why show uh, the daughter? Why now? Why her? What does this all mean? Um, this was clearly done intentionally, obviously totally choreographed, uh, designed to impact both domestic and international audiences, but in different ways. Uh, there are likely many different reasons uh, for this. And at this point, no one can unequivocally state what this all means. Overall, for me, my take is that her appearance is certainly not meaningless, but how meaningful it is won't be determined for some time. So we have to wait and see. So some people are saying that, okay, this this is it. This just means that Kim Jue is uh, the clear successor. Uh, some people believe this, um, but many others are skeptical that it's that clear cut. Uh, South Korea's unification minister, for instance, questions that she is next in line. And there are a number of reasons to doubt it from Kim Jong-un's young age to her youth. Uh, to the very patriarchal political system in North Korea. Um, others suggest that it's not about her in particular, but it's about the successors going to be in the family and the next leader will continue uh, the Mount Peku bloodline, as they call it. So Kim uh, Yo-jung is Kim Jong-un's younger sister, and she's seen as a key part of his inner circle. She is uh, now uh, the director of the propaganda and agitation department, which, uh, which like her uh, grandfather, is an extremely important position. Kim Jong-un also appointed her as an alternate member of the Politburo. She has the personality and the experience and the temperament, and she has very strong statements and condemning the U.S. and South Korea and things like that. So there is this camp that uh, that felt quite strongly that she was a good candidate for succession. And then others even suggest that this is a warning to not get any ideas, to know their place and understand who's in charge and who's going to be making the decisions about who's going to be next in line. So that's kind of the succession argument. Uh, second, um, this could be about succession, but in a different way, but as a kind of a signal to elites uh, about what happens if Kim Jong-un dies suddenly, that they do indeed have a plan in place. So this is the scenario if there are people who have serious concerns about Kim Jong-un's serious health issues, for instance. And why are we even worried about his health? Well, there are lots of questions about Kim Jong-un's health. Uh, there have been several instances where 
Kim Jong-un hasn't been seen publicly for weeks. The most recent occurring in April 2020 when he was out of the public eye for uh, around three weeks. It's also happened before in 2014 and 2016, I believe. So this draws the interest of the global media, wondering where he is, whether he's sick, if there has been a coup. And in this most recent instance, uh, reports that he may have even died. And could his daughter's sudden appearance relate to Kim Jong-un's own image? So this would be uh, to cultivate a family man image uh, for Kim Jong-un, to humanize him, see him him as like a caring figure, a loving father. And uh, this kind of image um, and narrative ties into the greater Kim Il-sung personality cult as well. Or it could be to reinforce the connection between the Kim family and the North Korean military, right? Um, So this is something that has to, that is constantly being um, emphasized in the North Korean media. So she is being displayed with ICBMs at military parades. Saturday's missile, one of many on display just last week, a record number of ICBMs, more than any military parade in North Korean history. Kim ordered mass production of ICBMs earlier this year, the parade featuring new missiles and a new face, Kim Jue, Kim's daughter, believed to be just nine years old. So it could be to reinforce the connection that the security of the country is bound together intimately with the Kim family. Uh, And then fourth, lastly, is that, and this is one that I don't hear discussed as much, uh, but one that I personally give a lot of credence to, is simply as a way to gather attention to have the world talking about North Korea, right? Which is what we're doing. Um, It it can also serve as a distraction from the nuclear security and human rights issues. And if this was a goal, it has certainly succeeded, right? It can be beneficial to North Korea to have the global media experts and politicians spinning their wheels, trying to figure out uh, what all of this means. So in the end, you know, I think this is, there's probably room for at least parts of all four of these broad reasons to help understand uh, Kim Jong-un's calculus for this decision. It is unusual, though. I mean, for her to be unveiled at such a a young age is a break from what has happened in the past. But we didn't see Kim Jong-un until he was 26. By that stage, he'd he'd even gone uh, to school in Switzerland because people didn't know who he was. So the fact that she's being unveiled at such an early age, it does add to that mystique of what exactly is going on here. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, and this is why we have to be cautious about making any, um, you know, definitive declarations about what this means. So Kim Jong-il had three sons that were uh, considered uh, candidates. There was Kim Jong-nam, the eldest son, Kim Jong-chol, and uh, of course, Kim Jong-un. So we know that the older two weren't chosen and uh, Kim Jong-un was selected. Um, but actually, it was. it is said that Kim Jong-il had actually selected Kim Jong-un to be a successor when he was just eight years old uh, back in 1992. Um, but he only told those in his closest inner circle and nobody else knew. Uh, and then, like you, you said, it wasn't until 2009 that he first started appearing in official statements. In 2010, he was given the rank of four-star general, and thus it became clear that he was being groomed to be next in line. Uh, and then, of course, he takes over after his father's death in 2011 and has been in power ever since. However, Kim Jong-nam uh, was not simply passed over, but he was later killed in a very public fashion. Yeah, it's it's a, it, that was the great curiosity of the... the the nerve agent and the reality TV show and the prank gone wrong. Tell us about that. So Kim Jong-nam uh, is Kim Jong-un's older half-brother. And 
he was seen by many um, uh, experts uh, as as a probable uh, successor. Um, his initial political downfall is often pinpointed to a very visible public arrest in 2001 when he was allegedly trying to visit Disneyland in Japan and was arrested in Tokyo for traveling on a fake passport. Um, he'd also spent a lot of time in Europe, was a gambler, uh, and was probably too westernized uh, for the likes of Kim Jong-il and other elites. This was probably enough to show that he wasn't leader material, but probably not enough to want to kill him. Uh, later, uh, when he was living in China, he occasionally spoke out against the regime, uh, including to a Japanese journalist that some say angered uh, the leadership greatly. Uh, and there are also rumors that he was an informant maybe for the CIA and or that China had chosen him as a replacement for Kim Jong-un. And any of those uh, could be the reasons uh, he was assassinated. So what happened, Peter? So he was killed by two women who doused him with VX, a deadly nerve agent, at the Kuala Lumpur airport in Malaysia. The expanding mystery of Kim Jong-un's half-brother's death tonight involves an international manhunt and a nasty dispute between two Asian powers. The Malaysian police tonight are asking Interpol to put out an alert for four missing North Korean suspects wanted in the death of Kim Jong-nam. And here is uh, where we get into the, you know, crazy story where, you know, it sounds like it's just outlandish and preposterous, but uh, is actually undeniably true. So in this case, these two women were recruited by North Korean agents under the guise of being on a prank show, a hidden camera reality show where they pull pranks on unsuspecting people for laughs. A murder case so bizarre that a suspect was captured on surveillance wearing a loud white shirt with LOL emblazoned across the front. According to Agence France Press, one of the suspects, an Indonesian woman, told police she thought she was taking part in a harmless prank as part of a reality TV show. They were trained and did this for months, applying lotions and creams to unsuspecting bystanders until that fateful day in uh, February uh, 2017 when they were given the orders to get their next target, which happened to be the North Korean dictator's older half-brother. The operation was a success as Kim Jong-nam was dead within the hour. And while the women were apprehended, the North Koreans uh, managed to return home. Uh, on the same flight with Kim Jong-nam's body, uh, to add uh, more intrigue to everything. Um, and and uh, just another detail that I find fascinating in, in all of this, Kim Jong-nam actually had VX, um, or kind of a generalized nerve agent antidote in his backpack. Uh, so he obviously was prepared and uh, aware of the potential uh, attempt on his life and um, the way it might actually be carried out. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fascinating insight into uh, what can happen within uh, within succession planning with, uh, in in families. Effectively, we now have a, a fourth generation being lined up, uh, one way or another, whether that's his sister or or his daughter. It basically says this family isn't isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Where does this leave us in terms of the, the geopolitical situation of the, the tensions between North Korea and the West? 
Um, I think it it leaves us in exactly the same place we've been in for quite some time. Um, and that's in, uh, you know, a, basically a stalemate because geopolitically, once a state acquires nuclear weapons, uh, that basically guarantees um, the lack of outside military in, in, in interference, which is exactly why states like North Korea um, try to get n nuclear weapons. North Korea launched a record number of missiles last year in 2022. In terms of technological advancements, they have developed uh, three types of ICBMs uh, since 2017, uh, the Hwasong-14, Hwasong-15, and Hwasong-17 missiles all of which can reach uh, the mainland of the United States. Uh, the newest one, the Hwasong-17, is much bigger and can be equipped with multiple payloads. And another one of the latest developments uh, is their turn from uh, liquid fuel to solid fuel ICBMs, which matters uh, because they can be launched much more quickly. So these are all significant developments and of great concern for the security of the region and of the world. Uh, and in terms of uh, what Kim Jong-un's statements indicate, um, there has been a shift in the discourse, whereas previously he would say things like, you know, uh, if, you know, the United States doesn't play ball, uh, then we might not be able to, we're, then we're, we're not going to negotiate over the nuclear issue. Recently, there's been a shift where he's saying more unequivocally that uh North Korea will never give up its nuclear weapons. And this has been um, a, a recent shift that uh, analysts have noted. Um, does that mean for sure there won't be any more negotiations? Um, uh, no, but it certainly uh, is a, again, conscious strategy that they're being deliberate about in their messaging. Um, and it also helps that there is nobody trying to negotiate with him right now. So it's easier to, to make those types of claims. My thanks to Professor Peter Kabashnik for joining me today. I'm Fiona Chain, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Owen Maloney, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Clips from the BBC, CNN, CBS, Al Jazeera, The Telegraph and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>